Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, here's the quote of the week for us. A sinner is a lump of clay that hasn't been bought. A Christian is a lump of clay off of the shelf and in the master's hands. The master takes the clay, arranges it, twists it, molds it, rolls it, pounds it, breaks it up, and puts it in the fire. But that's all right, because in the master's hand, we become more than a lump of clay. That's E.V. Hill. You know E.V. Hill, brother? All right. Amen. Well, I was following along. Um, if you're new, if you've only been here for a little while, we've been doing a, a word study on the word worship for the last uh, six years. It feels like, and a couple months, but the word study on the word worship to, um, this past week took me, um, it, it ended up in the book of Job. Yeah, that's, how I, that's what I felt, Barbara. See, the book of Job. Now, there are some books in the Bible that many preachers generally stay away from. Two of them being Song of Solomon because it is way too sexual. And the second one being, or the favorite, the worst, the most avoided probably book in the, in the Bible that preachers don't like to share from the pulpit is the book of Job. Because there is just too much we don't understand in it. There's too much that we don't want to wrestle with. Can somebody say amen? See, sex and suffering are not the easiest things to talk about from the pulpit. It's not easy to read in Song of Solomon about the beloved and how her breasts satisfy the lover and then preach about how we are the beloved and God is the lover and how that is a picture of God's desire for us. You should see some of your faces. It's really funny. But it's a book about how God enjoys us and how we should find our satisfaction not in the hands or in the heart of a man or a woman, but we need to find our satisfaction and our acceptance and our love and our passion and our desire in God, the lover of the beloved. And so I always said I would never preach from that book or the book of Job. And well, if you've been around here long enough, you know I've already gone there. And I just went there right now, as a matter of fact. And so here I am today in the book of Job. And so I've always said, you know, if I could understand just a little bit more about it, if I, if I can kind of just get something on it, then, then I'd go there. And so here we are. See, the problem with sharing from the book of Job is that it's not exactly what people are itching to hear. Right? It's not exactly what people want to hear. The problem is, it's not what you encourage people with. 
right? It's not, it's not one of those books that you write on people's birthday cards or yearbooks. It's not, it's not one of those things that you, 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 you kind of just tell people when somebody's going through a rough time, you say, hey, look at Job. Your life could suck even more, right? It's, it's just not something that, you, that, that gives you that, that, that word, that, that affirmation, that encouragement. It's, not, it's just not one of those books that we use like that. So, um, I, I, I try personally, my, my, you know, I try my best to listen. I listen to a lot of preachers. And I listen to a lot of sermons during the week. And, and I, I love hearing a good message. I love hearing other people's insights on certain passages of scripture. I, I love hearing how other people break down the word, how God speaks to other people. And if, if you ever heard me or anyone say that, that God only speaks to me. Then, then you'd be standing in a cult room and you should run as fast as possible and avoid whatever else the person says. So I love to listen to other, other people share and, and I love to listen to messages and words and, and, and I get excited about other styles. You know, personally, I love listening to people preach with asthma. You know, and the Lord said, and, and you know, I love that. That just excites me. For me, I, I like hearing it like that, you know. I tried when I first started to do that, you know, and it's like, come on, it's not you. And that's a mistake a lot of, a lot of ministers make. You know, we, we, we find somebody that we really like and we try to copy them to the T. And we end up looking really, really foolish, right? But so, you know, I've learned my lessons with that. But lately, it seems that I'm, I'm listening to a lot of messages and everything that I've been listening to lately, it's all positive and encouraging and, and it's about dreaming and about being prosperous. And, and I get concerned and that troubles me because I ask, where is the full gospel? Right? Because, see, if, if, a, if a Christian isn't reading their word on their own and I would love to shout you out right now and ask you to raise your hand if you actually do your own reading, if you actually crack the Bible more than once a week. But I won't do that to you because I don't want you to have to lie in church and be like, or, or do a stretch. <sighs> Hopefully everybody saw the hand, but God didn't and caught me lying. Right? So I don't want to do that to you, but the bottom line is if Christians aren't reading their own word and, and if all they hear about is this great God who makes everything and who wants us to have everything and who has the ability to give us everything, what's going to happen when the struggle comes? We do injustice to people. In, in, in the body of Christ all over, we do injustice to people because we don't talk about Job. Because we don't talk about suffering. Because we tell people, listen, your life stinks right now. But if you just step into God's ways. And if you just let Jesus in your heart. And, and we sell this gospel that everything is beautiful on the other side. When the word never promises us that. Right? And so we do an injustice to people because we let them try God. We give them the sweet stuff. And then when they come in, they find out that it's sugar-free up in the rest of the word. And it's not all sweet, and it's not all good, and it's not all um, exciting, and it's not all motivating. There's struggle. And so people that, that don't get a full gospel, they shy away, and then they try other things. And the saddest thing is a person twice lost. Because they feel like, I already tried God, and that wasn't for me. I was sold a lie. Amen? 
See, because the word is clear everywhere about trials and tribulations and hardships and even struggles, ain't it? Right? But where do people learn how to struggle? The word struggle means strive to achieve or attain something in the face of difficulty and resistance. How many can say that's my Christian walk? Right? Me and Barbara, amen. And Candace, we, we got it going on. The rest of you are just here to fill up seats. But we got it. We understand that it is about striving to achieve and attain something in the face of difficulty and resistance. I want our family here to have a balanced meal. Okay? When it comes to the Word of God, I love sharing about God's power, about God's authority, about His favor and His grace. I walk in that grace every day. I walk in that favor. I see God opening doors that men can't shut. I've seen His goodness. I've seen His faithfulness. I can testify all day long about how many times I didn't have and God provided. About how many times I needed and He sent it. About how many times I was empty and He filled me up. About how many times I was broken and He made me whole. Up and down all day long, I can tell you about that. But sometimes I struggle. Is that all right? I'm not the pastor you wanted if, if, if that don't sit right with you. But it's okay because you didn't sign nothing. We're not going to hold you here. We're not going to. I'm not the pastor you wanted. I want you to know I struggle with things. And, and sometimes I struggle, and, and that's still spiritual. Mm. Sometimes I struggle financially. God knows. Sometimes I struggle emotionally. Sometimes I struggle spiritually. Sometimes I struggle mentally. Sometimes I struggle physically. Even though God says by his stripes I'm healed, even though the word says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns everything, even though the word says that I'm blessed and highly favored, even though the word says that I'm, that I'm healed, full, sanctified, the whole nine, I still struggle. It doesn't mean, listen to me clearly, please, every you could tune out after this. It does not mean you do not have enough faith. It doesn't mean I don't pray enough. It doesn't mean you don't fast enough. It doesn't mean you don't read enough. It doesn't mean you don't testify enough. It doesn't mean God is angry with me. It doesn't mean God is paying me back. It doesn't mean God doesn't love me anymore. It doesn't mean he's done with me. It doesn't mean he's left me. And, and I've heard that preached to many people. And you've probably heard it yourselves. If you're still sick, it's because you don't have enough faith. And if you're still struggling, it's because you don't pray enough. And it's because you don't read enough. And listen, sometimes that could apply. Right? Sometimes, you know, let's be honest. Sometimes we think God is a genie and we can rub that thing whenever we want and he'll come and do whatever. And, and that's, sometimes we don't pray enough and we don't read enough and we don't fast enough. And so I'm not excusing any of that because that's still our duty as, as a believer. But for somebody to tell you you're still sick because you don't have enough faith or, or that happened to you because God is coming after you because he's angry with you. You don't, you don't have this because God is mad at you. Because you didn't listen to what he said. 
Anybody heard that before? It gets us to the point where you say, man, God can't use me anymore. It does not mean, listen to me, it doesn't mean that you're not really saved, as some might tell you. And it doesn't mean that maybe you never were. If you've ever been told that and you're constantly living in fear and rejection right now, I break that off of your lives. I know somebody needed to hear that today. Because no matter what I tried to get around, I had to put that in. So if, if you're struggling with rejection, if you're struggling with fear that I, I, I don't do enough, I can't, I can't, I can't, and, and I step into ministry and I step out and I step in and I step out because I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough. Yeah, join the rest of us. None of us are worthy enough. None of us. Because think about that. When, when have you ever read enough? When have you ever satisfied God? When does that happen? Two chapters, three chapters, a book? You know, when does God's meter go, oh, okay, I'm satisfied with your reading requirement. There's religions and cults that'll do that to you. You got to put in a certain amount of hours or God is not happy with you. God does not punch a clock. God looks at the heart of man. Amen? So some of you needed to hear that today. I just break that condemnation off of you. I break that fear and that rejection. Listen, Jesus in his own words said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. You are going to struggle. Tell somebody you're going to struggle. Jesus said so. The message puts it this way. I love it the way it says. It says, I've told you all of this. Jesus is talking. So that trusting me, you will be unshakable. You will be assured. And you will be deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart. I've conquered this world. Amen. Me and Candace get happy with that. You can't live in fear and rejection and still have God's perfect love in you. You can't. The word says that perfect love casts out fear. So if you say, I know that God loves you, and if you sing for 20 minutes, I love you forever, I love you forever, and, and that was kind of a song that God was singing to you, I'll love you forever. That was, the, that was the worship that God was singing to you today. I love you forever. You will doubt me. You will deny me. You will turn from me. You, you'll step to the side. You'll step to the right, to the left. I'll love you forever. That's the true worship song that, was, that we experienced this morning. You will continue to experience difficulties. He was talking to those that walked with him, to those that loved him, to those that trusted him. And the word says, but take heart. I like that, but that's not something that we use in our common vocabulary. You know, you're like, man, my bills are due. Well, take heart. Right? So that's not, that's not our vocabulary. So what does that really mean? The Amplified says, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Some of you don't even know what that means, but doesn't it sound real good? I am undaunted. I will stand undaunted before the Lord thy God. 
It sounds good, doesn't it? It just means I'm certain. I'm unshakable. Amen? For I have overcome the world. What does that mean? It means I've deprived it of power to harm you and I've conquered it for you. So you will struggle, but take courage. Somebody just reach out, take courage. Come on. We live in a godless world. And, and listen to me right now. If you're not struggling right now, listen. If you're not struggling right now, save your strength. Because there's a struggle coming right around the corner. Amen. There's a struggle coming right around the corner. Now, I know this type of preaching will not get me famous. I know this will not sell books. But I'm not going to lie to the people that God gave me to love on. Amen? So you will struggle. And you could still have your best life now. <laughs> you will struggle. Not only will it hurt, it might almost kill you. Say, I'm so excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It might almost kill you, but when you've come through, when you've come out on the other side of that thing, you will be a bit more unshakable, a bit more assured. You will have a bit more deeper peace. You will stand a bit more undaunted. You will be more able, you'll be more capable, you'll be able to endure more, and in turn, you'll be able to receive more. Say amen. Now, Job, I'm going to just start it today. I'll try to finish it next week. And if you don't come back next week because you know I'm preaching on Job next week, then your version of Christianity was probably too shallow and one-sided for your own good anyway. And you've probably never taken the time to really face your struggles. Say amen, somebody. Amen. All right. You know why crime continues to increase? Because people don't want to struggle. Right? Nobody wants to struggle. The body of Christ is in danger today because we don't want to struggle either. So we'll listen to every name it and claim it, mark it and park it theology that comes around and it's all good. And I'm not even saying that's all wrong. I believe I can mark it and park it. As a matter of fact, before you right now, I'll tell you, I'm going to mark it and park it. I'm believing that God's going to supply a new car that I need. I believe it. Nothing wrong with that. God says that he knows my needs and he says that he'll give me the desires of my heart. And he knows I'm not looking for a stretch hammer or nothing like that. I just want a good car that starts when you turn the key. Whose windows go up and down. It'd be nice. AC's a bonus, but not necessary. You know, a car that, whose air stays in the tires. A car that, you know, everybody doesn't hear me coming. Because rattling like, like all the cars that we have in our house and the family, we could take all the parts and put them together and not make one good quiet car. But I'm believing that God, and I'm doing that before you today so, so I can testify about it later. Amen? Amen? Modern day Christianity says I don't want to struggle either. Good? All right. <laughs> Modern day Christianity says let me be happy 
Let me be prosperous. Let me enjoy life. I want a house and an easy job. Give me two or three cars. I want a good spouse. I want even better kids. But don't give me any struggle. Hold the struggle. I want all of those things too. Not more kids. I have already two. See, but you can't have the house without the struggle of working and financing and saving and budgeting. You can't have the good spouse without the struggle. How many of you know marriage takes work? Marriage takes work. You can't have the good spouse because that spouse, you mess them up. Because you're not a good spouse probably, right? Marriage takes work. How many of you know you can't have the good kids because parenting takes work? Work. I got two teenage girls. It takes work, and they are wonderful girls. It still takes work. You want to you, you wanna see what, what kind of kids come out without struggle? Watch My Sweet 16 on MTV, where, where a 16-year-old will tell his dad, I hate you. I didn't want the Hummer in pink. You know I wanted the Land Rover. I hate you. You never listened to me. What? What? An $80,000 car? You, I got you the wrong one? And so you hate me? And you're 16? You can drive yourself out of a paper bag? Right? Are you kidding me? That's, that's what comes out when there's no struggle. That's the kind of kids you get with no struggle. Those are easy to have. Listen, a caterpillar goes into a cocoon. I know I've shared this before, but it's so powerful. A caterpillar goes into a cocoon, and it's forced to spend time in there. And when that development is almost complete, it has to struggle to come through the cocoon. Did you know that if you helped the, butter, the, the caterpillar come out of that cocoon, that butterfly will never fly? Because it has to go through the struggle to get the excess water and develop its wings. It has to struggle to fly. The beautiful butterfly that comes out on the other side of the struggle is a direct result of having to go through something. Once that worm has gone through the struggle, it comes out gorgeous, doesn't it? It comes out flying, doesn't it? It comes out with colors and patterns. It even looks different on the other side. Come on, somebody grab that. You look different on the other side of that struggle. You come out different, but you need the struggle. It comes out gorgeous. It comes out flying. It comes out with colors and patterns. It, it looks different when it comes out of the struggle. After that struggle, guess what? It will never be a caterpillar again. It will never again crawl on its belly for food. <laughs> we, we here, right? We here. We here. This is me and you. I should've, we should have just met someplace. I could have given it to you. It will never again crawl on its belly looking for food. After the struggle, it flies above all the other worms. You ever seen a butterfly? You ever looked at one? It's so graceful. It's so light. 
It's so, could you imagine like a butterfly stressing something or worrying? That's like the least animal you would think worries about anything. It's just, it just lands on flowers and fly. It's just so light, right? It has not a worry in the world. And yet if you look at the wings of that thing, it's gorgeous, right? Like I love, I, I, you know, I, not too many artists. I mean, you have to be a real true artist to replicate just the beautiful patterns that are on the wings of a butterfly. Why would God waste such incredible artwork on a little bug that lasts a couple of weeks and dies? Why? Because God is so abundant. And because God has so much. Because his supply is limitless. Because his resources are limitless. That he could waste it on the wings of a butterfly. Somebody needed to hear that today. This struggle that you're in right now, God is mixing those colors. Tell somebody he's getting your colors ready. <laughs> and you're going to be pretty. I know guys don't want to hear that, but you're going to be pretty. When you come out of that thing, you're going to be pretty. Amen? Now, I realize this is the longest introduction that I've ever done before getting into a book. So let me just set the stage for next week. Amen? Let's set the stage for next week. In the book of Job, chapter 1, it talks about a man named Job, obviously. It says that he was in, honest inside and out. He was a man of his word. He was totally devoted to God. He hated evil with a passion. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was also very wealthy. He had 7,000 head of sheep. That's like having 19 bank accounts for us today. He had 7,000 head of sheep. He had 3,000 camels. He had 500 teams of oxen. He had 500 donkeys. He had a huge staff of servants. He was the most influential man of that time in all of the East. He's the Trump of the East, right? So Job was trumping for, for a little bit. It says that he loved his kids. Right in the beginning, it throws in chapter 1 that he prayed for them all of the time. Listen, his kids would come together and have parties. And it doesn't say that they were bad parties. It doesn't say that they were sinful parties. But they would still party. And so Job loved his kids so much that after every party, he would sacrifice animals and pray and do a sacrifice for each of his kids in case... In one of those parties, his kids might have sinned, even by accident. Did, I mean, is that, is the, man, is the man worried about his kids? Is the man, all right? He would, he would sacrifice animals in case that while they were partying, maybe they get a little too drunk. That maybe they get a little forgetful. That maybe they, maybe they say the wrong thing or maybe they have a wrong feeling about God. And he covers them. So it says, well, one day the angels came and to report to God and Satan came with them. And God asked Satan, what have you been up to? How many of you know when God asks a question, he already knows the answer, right? How many of you remember those times with your parents? So where were you? And you're like, oh, I know she knows already, right? 
Um, well, I, school let out late, and I had to get extra assignments, and I had to study, and I had to, and, and you know they know already, right? And I'm not looking at my mom who's sitting over there. I'm focusing over here. That was a lot of years ago. I'm almost 40 now. It's, it's I love you. <laughs> so, so God asked Satan, what have you been up to? And, and Satan says, I've been going here and there, walking, checking things out on the earth, which is a real arrogant thing for Satan to say. He's, he's trying to say the earth is mine and everything on the earth is sinful and I'm just going back and forth checking things out making sure that I'm still in control of this world. So it was a real arrogant comment. But he says, and then God says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one quite like him. He's honest and true to his word, and he's totally devoted to me, and he hates evil. That was the part that I always hated about the book of Job. Because if, if you read it without a lot of understanding, it looks like, God sold Job out, right? It's like Satan is looking around the earth, like the other part of the word says, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And God says, hey, have you looked at Job? That's kind of messed up, right? That kind of always had me angry about the book of Job, and so I put it off. Because I said, why would God sell out Job like that? Wait, it's like sending your, your, your kid to school with a real busted sweater and high waters. You're setting him up to get beat up. Come on, ma. Right? It's like, why would you do that to Job? Job loves you. He prays. He's devout. He hates evil. He why would you sell him out to Satan like that? But when you understand a little better the Father's heart, and when you start to grasp the character of God, and when you understand that God is for you and not against you, and when you understand that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, you start to see things a little differently. And you start to understand that God would never plan to destroy you. You need to understand that today. God would never set you up to destroy you. That's not his heart. You were created in his image. So, so when you look at the very next sentence, it gives you a little better understanding. In the very next sentence, Satan, God, God says, hey, have you considered Job? And Satan says, so you think, you think Job does all of that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why, no one's ever had it so good like Job. You pamper him like a little pet. You make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. You bless everything he does. He can't lose. Now think about that. Satan is not all-knowing. Satan can't be everywhere at once like God. Satan is omni-nothing. Okay? That's why Satan has to walk to and fro and look for everybody. God is just, I'm there. Turn around, I'm there. I'm there. Satan has to roll up on us, right? And if Satan is rolling up on me, he can't be in your part of the Bronx, right? It, no. So Satan can only be a one, and he's not all-knowing. So how come when God said, have you considered Job, Satan knew his whole autobiography? Did you ever think about that? It, it's clear in the text that, that Satan couldn't have known all of that unless he had already been planning his attack on Job. And that's why when God said, where have you been? 
God is saying, I know where you've been, brother. I know who you're trying to roll up on. I know who you're setting up. I know that you've set up a sleeper cell next to Job's house. I know that you've been watching him. I know that you've been watching his family. I know that you've been trying to look and see. And you got a three and a five and a seven year plan on Job. I know that you're out to destroy him. I know that you've been studying him. And so God starts, to, starts the process of struggle not to destroy Job but to get him through. Come on, amen, somebody. See, God starts working on Job's behalf to get him through the struggle. He's preparing him for the sole purpose, which, which is to worship, to give God glory, because the sole purpose of man is to glorify Christ. The sooner you would accept that, the easier things would be. The more fun church would be. There wouldn't be so many pow-pows that you get on Sunday. You just be worshiping all the time. Say, my purpose is to worship God. That's it. And so when Satan says in verse 11, but what do you think would happen if you reached down and took away everything that is his? He cursed you right to your face. That's what's going to happen. And so God enters into this agreement to get Job through. And God gives Job Give Satan permission to touch all that is his, but not him. And so look what happens real quick. I'll read it to you. Sometime later, while Job's children were having one of those parties again, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing in the field next to us, and, and the Sabaeans attacked, and they stole all the animals and they killed the field hands. I'm the only one that got out alive to tell you what happened. And then while he was still talking, it says in 16, another messenger arrived and said, bolts of lightning struck the sheep and the shepherds and fried them, burning them to a crisp. I'm the only one that got out alive to tell you what happened. And while he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, the Chaldeans coming from three directions raided the camels and massacred the camel drivers. I'm the only one that got out alive to tell you what happened. And while he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, your children were having a party at the home of the oldest brother. When a tornado swept in off the desert and struck the house, it collapsed on the young people and they all died. I'm the only one that got out alive to tell you what happened. So in one moment, he lost everything that he had. He lost all of his wealth. He lost all of his possession. He lost all of his help. He lost all of his support. He lost all of his status. And he lost all of his children in one moment. And what was Job's response? 1 verse 20. At this, it says Job got up, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, which were symbols of mourning, and he fell to the ground in worship. He fell to the ground in worship and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job's first response to this most intense struggle that anyone could ever think of being hit with. Listen, any one of those things would have flattened us out. Amen. Any one of those things would have caused so many of us to turn from our faith and run. 
any one of those things would, would have caused us. But he mourns the lost, but in the same breath, he worships. He lost all his money, but he worships anyway. He lost all his status, but he worships anyway. He lost all his possessions, but he worships anyway. He lost all of his children, but he worships anyway. I want you to get that today. And the title of this message was simply, Worship Anyway. We'll get into this on some deeper levels next week. But for today, I just want you to notice, listen to me, close your eyes for a moment. When things seem the darkest, if all of a sudden everything goes dark around you, take courage. Be of good cheer. God could be spinning the web on your cocoon today. And if you spend some time in that state, if there's going to be a transformation. There will be a struggle. You are going to have to struggle. But God has already designed the patterns of color on your wings. And when you come through this, if you go through this, it's going to be different on the other side. Will you worship anyway? Can I have the ministry team come and stand up here across the front? Listen, I don't know where some of you are today. I don't know what, what stage in this metamorphosis you are. I don't know what stage in this, in this transformation you're in. But, but if things are dark, if, if, you're in, if you're in a place that seems so cramped that you feel like you can't get out, and if you're in this thing, just struggle. Know that God is doing something. Know that God is already preparing the, the colors. Know that God is getting your colors ready. Know that God is getting you ready. Because when you come out on the other side. So if, if you're here today and you're saying, listen. I'm going to worship anyway. If that's you, I want you to just stand right where you are. Don't look around. Just say, that's me. I'm going to worship anyway. I've had some rough things go down. I've had some things that I don't understand. There's been some things I've been mad at God about. There's been some things I've been fighting God about. There's been some things I've been shaking my fists at God. But I understand that God is for me, that he is not against me. And he's just trying to get me to go through this thing. Because when I come out of this thing, I'm coming out gold. There's no point in us doing a whole six-month or year study on the word worship if we're only going to worship God when he blesses us. If we're only going to worship God when things are good, then you're just wasting. You're just wasting this. You're that lump of clay and God says, I'm going to bang this thing and I'm going to bend it and shake it and twist it and mold it. And, and then just when you think the abuse stops, just when, you think, just when you think there's no more hammering and pounding, then I'm going to put you in the fire. But you're going to come out beautiful on the other side. I just want you to take that word today and, and if you want prayer, know that these... These individuals are here standing just waiting to pray with you.
If you just want to worship, you could just come up here to the front and just, just continue to worship for a few minutes and just speak your peace to God. But if you want somebody to agree with you, if you want somebody to stand with you, these people are here ready to pray with you. Would you, would you go ahead and if, if you want to be prayed for today, if you just want to agree with somebody, if you just want to hear a word from the Lord today, just come to this team today and stand before them. Just know that we love you, that we're here for you. You are, at this point, free to leave, and you're welcome to stay. If you choose to, to go, just please do it reverently so that those that are being prayed for can just have some time. We love you, and we'll see you Wednesday for prayer. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.